morning, everyone. Hope we're on. Yep. Um, I have a situation in my family. Got lots of questions, and I need good answers. Oh, we're doing proverbs at CCW. We might think as we come in, wisdom, being wise. So I pick up my Bible and I open it at the middle, and oh, it's the proverbs. Wow, that's exciting. Let me have a look and see. I'll split it near the middle and let me see if it helps. Chapter 1, and it says, These proverbs will give you great skill to teach the immature. Oh, that's great for my family. And make them wise. Good. It'll give the youth understanding of their design and destiny. Wow, that's fantastic. All right, I'll read a bit further down. It's going to help me with my situation. Now you will eat the bitter fruit of your own ways. You've made your own bed, now lie in it. Oh, that's a fat lot of help. Is that how we approach Proverbs? Flick it open, have a look at it, see what it does, or toss it off as if, where else can I find help? That wasn't much good. Is that how we handle the Proverbs? Today, um, we're looking at the topic of family in the book of Proverbs. And, you know, we're all family, aren't we? And we've come here this morning as part of some sort of family. The family that came in here, you might be one of the ones that are frazzled, impatient, tired, husband's not happy with me again, and two kids are cranky, the other one wouldn't finish a breakfast, and now she wants to eat and eat and eat, and I work so hard just to get here, and I sit down, and you always say, family? Oh no, guilt time. Why did I come today? You're lucky I'm even here, Leanne, let alone what you're going to say to me now. Or are you the family that says, we're all sorted? We've got systems in our house. It runs like clockwork and walk in the door. Oh no, a pooey nappy again. As we walk in the door, whose turn is it this time? Hey, hun, you do the nappy, I'll check the kids in, I'll sign them in. Meet you at the left, all right? We'll go left. And so we do that. We come in, oh no, the left's full, I'll have to go to the right. I'm not going down the front where all the seats are. No, I'm not that brave. Our family's good, but not that good. Oh, hun, I hope you find me on the right. Or it just about does me in every morning getting kids to school and then sport on Saturday mornings. It would be so easy and I'd have really good reason if I just didn't come here at all and have a sleep in. But I'm a single parent. That never happens. How can I have a sleep in? Proverbs? Family? Hmm. Well, maybe just as well I came this week. Or is it? You might have come from a family that's got a festering sore in your family. There's chaos. Or it's so difficult to even have a conversation in your family. Is there disability, grief, loss, distance, mental illness, addiction, rebellion, brokenheartedness, poverty, dementia, lack of love, abuse? Are you overcommitted? Are you overscheduled? Is there loneliness? Is there favouritism in your family? but you've still come. We're all family. Have a look at this picture. And it's a hen and a chicks. This is what motherhood's all about. Does it feel like that sometimes? Let's pray. Let's take a big breath and breathe for a minute. We'll slow down and pray. Lord, please settle us all now. Whatever has happened before now, whatever may come later, Whatever we fear in the future, we hand it all to you. 
We trust you with it right now. Lord, please help us to let go and trust you with open minds and hearts to hear from you now. We acknowledge that each one of us is a member of a family and we want to move closer to being family the way you want it. Amen. There's all types of families, as we said, and it's so easy to address in a topic like this. A dad, mum, few kids, some parents, middle-class type of family, and they all live together and expect that the other family types will just relate to it naturally, their situation, and I'm sorry that we tend to always talk to that kind of family. We default that way. So many of you are in families that look so different to that. You're a grandchild-raising family. You're a grandparent who's raising children. You're single parents. Sometimes you're a male single parent, sometimes you're a female single parent. Blended families, foster families, childless families. There's empty nesters, there's the stay-at-home dad, and there's widowers. And as we know now, male and female widowers raising children. So let's look back at that hen and chicks clip again. Who else could represent the hen? We naturally say it's a mother, and God talks about the mother gathering her chicks under her wings. Could that hen be the protector? Could it be dad? Could it be grandma? Could it be mother? We're all trying to desperate, or could it be the brother raising a family? We're all trying desperately to influ influence, protect, and nurture the family. You all have value, and God sees you all as family. I know that many of you are under pressure. You tell me that. Particularly those of you with children at home. So this is a guilt trip we're about to head into. Social media will put more guilt on you than the Proverbs will. The modern-day Proverbs coming straight from the wisdom of Facebook and, and its users. The Minimalist is a great post site that I like, but I read this the other day. Your home should be the antidote to stress, not the cause. I agree with that, don't you? Of course. But what if the stressor is living in your home? What do you do about that? I know many of you are under pressure, you tell me. Particularly those of you who are dealing with overt or silent control, manipulation, and narcissism in your home. May the Proverbs bring you wisdom, courage, and strength. May it be for all of us and for our role in the Proverbs. So when we look at the Proverbs, we're going to get comfort and we're going to get disillusionment for families because Proverbs is about cause and effect. You live wisely and you get good consequence. You live foolishly or unwisely, you get bad consequence. Remember, they're not promises, the Proverbs, they're principles. Or there's a probability that they may probably happen. There's three wisdom books. One is Proverbs, one is Ecclesiastes, and one is Job. Proverbs is about how to live the good life. Of course, it's a father giving wisdom to the son. And wisdom assumes in Proverbs that the world's fair. When you read the Proverbs, it's assuming the world's fair. That God is wise and just and we live the good life if we live this wisdom. That's the assumption. In Ecclesiastes, we learn that 
you hear the word over and over, meaningless. And what it's saying is that meaning is never clear in this world. And Ecclesiastes says, God, the world is not fair. And is God just? It asks the question. Is God wise? And of course, Job goes to the look at prosperity and health versus devastation and sickness. And we see by the end of Job that our status isn't dependent on our actions. But all three books tell us, in the end, live in peace and in the fear of the Lord and keep his commands anyway. Even though it, um, the world doesn't always work out that way. So let's get into them. As I've poured over the hundreds of proverbs relating to wisdom for the family, well, the trouble is actually all of it is because it's a father to the son. So it's all very relevant. I'm convinced that these common themes are important in relation to families. The God says so type of importance. And so these three topics, listen, instruct and discipline, come over and over and over again. Life can seem a mess and a bit like rubbish, can't it? It can seem like that. But you know in that rubbish there's also great stuff. When we dispose stuff, we, we dispose all the good things that we've eaten as well and, and there's good stuff in there. That's why people have professions, you know, going through rubbish bins. So we're going to, when I looked at these words, see the initial letters, lid? So we're going to put the lid on this of how do we interpret the Proverbs so that life in this messy world becomes something that we can grasp and hang on to. So listen, it's based on imparting wisdom from generation to generation through telling and through listening. 4.20 tells us, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Isn't that amazing what it's saying? Listen, listen. Pay attention to your father. Six um, says, 6.20, My son, obey your father's godly instruction and follow your mother's life-giving teaching. Fill your heart with their advice and let your life be shaped by what they've taught you. Listen to your mother, listen to your father. 23.22, listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when she's old. And my child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. As Solomon speaks with his son, he introduces wisdom, who whispers sweet wisdom to all who have ears that want to hear. It flows through the whole book. Listen to her through your parents or your elders passing on wisdom and you follow them and life will go well with you. If we don't listen, <laughs> the Proverbs tells us, 1927, stop listening to instruction, my son, and you'll stray from the words of knowledge. You'll remain ignorant. It breathes your mother. Mock the instruction of a father and you're stupid. <laughs> That's what it says. But there's hope for us. Um, 5.12, think of this with a non, if you've got a non-listening child, whatever age they are, 
And then finally you'll admit that you were wrong and say, if only I had listened to wisdom's voice and not stubbornly demanded my own way because my heart hated to be told what to do. Wisdom tells us that there is hope for the wayward as they sit in the life they've brought on themselves. They may just seek wisdom again. Some of the wayward are our sons and our daughters. They're our relatives. And wisdom tells us, stay hopeful. Instruction. Those of us with wisdom are called to instruct those less wise than ourselves, in particular fathers and mothers, to their children. Instructions are many and can seem daunting. Let's get some context around this. Ancient families were big. The family was much wider. All support was valid. They shared responsibility. They were multi-generational. No concept of nuclear family back then. Many were living in one house, and if they weren't in the house, they all lived really close. And wherever you went, family was there. It was a very close relationship. So training for life happened within that wide family. This is the context that Solomon wrote. The expectation of this big wider family contributed to the passing on of wisdom and training and instruction. Today, family's more centred around one home and whoever lives in there. And there's one or two adults in there. It's usually two generational. The wider family live elsewhere in their own home, living their own lives. And it's regarded as intruding to offer advice or your elderly wisdom. <laughs> we have to wait for the invitation. And so we read the Proverbs with this in mind. It takes a village to raise a child. That's what it says. So who is our village? Who are other significant wise adults who are imparting wisdom to my kids and my teenagers, my adult kids somewhere else that are living away from home? What about my kids that are raising a family and they're raising their kids? Who's imparting wisdom to them? In the light of living in the Gospels, God tells us in 1 John, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. If we're in Christ, we're children of God, part of God's very own family. We sang about it just before. We're brothers and sisters, all of us in that family small part of that massive big God family. All of us who follow Jesus are God's family and we have a call in our lives to impart wisdom to those who are less wise than ourselves. We are part of the village that today's families are looking for. If we're not looking for it, if they're not looking for it, what does Proverbs say? They need it. They need it. The wider family today is the wider church. All of us, not just children, need God's wisdom explained through us. There's a definite message in Proverbs to the elders in this village. 1631, grey hair is a crown of splendour. It's attained in the way of righteousness. Or another translation says, old age with wisdom will crown you with dignity and honour. 
they're doing grey hair in old age. That's not fair, is it? <laughs> For it takes a lifetime of righteousness to acquire it. This is a life of experience. It takes a long time to acquire wisdom. Children's children are crowned to the aged. So the village needs us, older people, wise people, because of the years of experience we've had. I didn't see in the pages and pages of this book of Proverbs any mention of retirement, of pulling off the boots, of waning commitment to the church once my kids got through. Are we willing to share wisdom? Not to be consumers only, but to be sharers. Share not your opinions, not our preferences, but our wisdom, our godly wisdom. To those who are younger and less wise, start listening, start asking for it. So what do we do who are wise? What do we share? What do the less wise need to hear? Some of the proverbs I've picked out because there's so many. Let your own ways, left to your own ways, you'll bring disgrace to your parents. Wouldn't it be nice if someone else told your kids that? When the storms of life come, the godly have a lasting foundation. The family of God stands firm and the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Is, that what it's, is it saying that we'll never have trouble? No, it's saying that we have a solid rock. As Christian families, we have a solid rock of Jesus and he helps us to stand strong. That's what it's saying. When you act with presumption, convinced you're right, don't be surprised if you fall on your face, flat on your face. <laughs> Living your life seeking what is good for others brings untold favour. We need to move our egocentric kids into others-centred. That's wisdom. To learn the truth, you must long to be teachable. To be obedient to what you've been taught proves you're an honourable child, but to socialise with the lawless brings shame to your parents. And if you walk with the wicked, you'll eventually become just like who you walk with. Good for kids to know that. Good for us to know that. 1431, whoever is kind to the needy honours God. Oppress the powerless and insults your creator every time. Teach your kids to care for others. And we can be left feeling that the world isn't really like this. No matter how much I teach the kids, what's going to happen? What, what are they going to face? Life is much harder, less fair than this. Wisdom living is so often doesn't work out with a prosperous and good result. Before we move to the next section, let's think about how we might interpret these in light of the Old Testament and the New Testament. We can skim through Proverbs superficially and literally, or we can look through another lens, the lens of the fear of the Lord and through love. The Old Testament teaches us that we read these things by honouring God and reverent, with reverence and awe. So we look at it and say, well, how do we fear the Lord Honour him with reverence and awe. But the New Testament says, you know, through the Holy Spirit, as God's children, we can love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul, and we can love others the same. So let's have an example. 
um, of how we might impart a proverb to our son, our daughter, our brother, our sister, our husband, our wife, whatever it is in our family. 12.14 says, Wise words bring many benefits. Hard work brings rewards. If we look at that superficially, we can say, well, if I speak wisely, I'm always going to receive good things. And we could say, if I work hard, I'll always be rewarded for it. That's the superficial um, reading of it. Sometimes that's all we teach our kids. Or those wider in our family. Or our brother, or whoever it is. But let's look at it through the fear of the Lord and the love lens. And maybe it says, kids, always speaking in wisdom in truth, is so satisfying because the benefit is that it pleases God. That's why we do it. And working hard on is God, even if that's my only reward. Both of these will be a strong witness to the others. See the difference of how we can read it? Now, as we approach, approach discipline, let's look at this one. We all know it. Kids know it and have heard it too. 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. How do we read that? How do we interpret that with the fear of the Lord and the love lens? Boundaries, consequences, godly standards, etc. need to be imparted to your children actively and consistently. You're showing them love. Sorry, you're showing them how to live well as God intends us to live in this world. In fact, it's a form of love to provide this security and this direction and this protection. I'll take responsibility for the safety, for your safety, children. So God tells us himself that he disciplines us for our own good. He says that if he didn't do that, he would be showing that he doesn't care, that he doesn't love us. So that brings a different light to that verse. And more verses like, don't be afraid to discipline your children while they're still young enough to learn. Don't indulge your children or be swayed by their protests. Lots, lots and lots on discipline of children. We've had an example of that in our family um, this week. We've had four children. Paul and Shell went on a holiday. We were looking after the four of them all at once and they're all little so they're all at that stage where we're imparting lots of wisdom and lots of discipline. <laughs> it's constant, it's relentless, and it reminded us of when we had kids. It was tireless, it was hard. We had to be consistent every moment. But we did it not because we hated them, not because we think they're, you know, faulting kids, we do it because we want to raise them to be God lovers. We do it because we want them to raise them to live a good life. Now time for a word to the parents now. What is God saying to us? Hear the start of this. Train your heart to listen when I speak and open your spirit wide to expand your discernment. You'd think that would be for our kids, wouldn't you? But the next bit says... Then pass it on to your sons and daughters. Start children off in the way they should go and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Each heart knows its own bitterness 
and no one else can share fully its joy. That's about don't expect anyone to understand our bitterness that we live through or to understand our joy. You don't know my joy and you don't know my sorrow and I don't know yours. Parenting fills your heart with joy but it also breaks your heart sometimes too. It energises you and it wears you out. That's love. Wisdom says that's life. A father grieves over a Phyllis child and bitter sorrow fills his mother. Do you realise parents are the pride of their children? Parents are the pride of their children. Really? Really? And later on, I I've, I've see this in my kids when they're adults and you get the feedback. But I coach teenage girls especially and they're really rebellious and they come and they say, I love my parents. But there's other things causing them to rebel. I just want my parents to know that I love them, but I can't show them. There's still a pride, no matter how dysfunctional those parents are, a pride of children towards their parents. Proverbs tells us that. Here's a fun one. Parents of a numbskull will have many sorrows, but there's nothing about this lifestyle that will make them proud. <laughs> it's a pity, it's funny, but it's true, isn't it? <laughs> we need to get these out of the way too. A nagging wife, living with a crabby scolding spouse, sharing a castle with a crabby spouse and a cranky nagging wife. I've got to deal with it. You know what it says? It can drive you crazy. It's better to live in a hut in the wilderness or all alone in a run-down shack and it's like an endless dripping tap from a leaky faucet. <laughs> Well, how do we interpret that with the fear of the Lord and with love? <laughs> all right, in our relationships, nagging, crabbiness, chastising and crankiness, they're all negative behaviours that pull down, not up. Find another way to get your grievance across. If you love the other, you will work to resolve this by communicating well. Don't hide behind bitterness, speak out. The other side of the relationship, what's causing these behaviours in the other? What's my contribution to his or her pain? Or nagging or... You know. <laughs> How can I demonstrate love in spite, in spite of the lack of love that I get in return? What are each of our responses showing our kids, showing those in our wider family? What are they learning from our behaviour? How can we turn it around as a wise life lesson. There's integrity that we need to look at as parents. To set high standards for someone else, this proverb says, and then not live up to them yourself is something that God truly hates. Look at Solomon. What did he have? God said, don't marry these women from the other country, and he married many he clung to them in love. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines by the end of his life and he turned away from... They caused him to turn away and love other gods. And his heart was not true to the God that his father David told him about and showed him about. So even the example of the most wisest man in the world had trouble with integrity. 
A word of warning to those hearts who lean towards wealth. Proverbs says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Go for love. Go for blessing your kids about God rather than wealth. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a full house with feasting and strife. And this one, the one who puts earning money above his family, will have trouble at home. Happiness. The world strives for happiness is the essential of life. You know, and I had so many people say to me, but Leanne, as long as he's happy, it's okay. Well, athletes, they'll train their whole lives and working so hard for a game, and at the end they said, oh, I just want to have fun, just want to be happy. Here's what wisdom says about happiness for us as parents. Joy comes to the father when wisdom comes to a son or daughter. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and your mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. God is telling us that when a father or a mother observes their child living in godliness, godliness, they are ecstatic with joy. That's that's what it's saying. Nothing makes them prouder. So may your father's heart burst with joy and your mother's soul be filled with gladness because of your child's love for God. Prioritise faith, real faith in action for your family. Work towards real happiness. As we began with wisdom, whispering whispering her truth throughout the book of Proverbs, the book closes, so we started with that, and the book closes with the woman of good character in chapter 31. She's an example to all of us of how to live well in the family and in this world. Have a read of it later. In finishing, Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, chase after God anyway. That's what they're telling us, what wisdom says. Chase after God anyway. Be your family's witness of living the good life, living for God in his wisdom. Listen Instruct, discipline, in the fear of the Lord and in love. It's best for your family. And it's more likely that you'll chase after God authentically. Your children will too, and your children's children too. I just want to observe one thing, and she's not here. We're not sitting there before, and we're singing a song. We're singing, one of the lines was, Jesus, my living hope. And I looked across, and here's Wendy sitting beside Eddie, and they had a granddaughter in the middle. And she's singing, Jesus, my living hope. And she was just ecstatic with joy. And she's like, Jesus, is my living hope. And she looks across at Eddie with these loving eyes. And she looks at her granddaughter, and she's like, Jesus, is my living hope. It was beautiful to look at, to watch. What do you think that mother's doing in that family? She's oozing with joy of the Lord. This is not about strict discipline, just words. Proverbs isn't about just words. It's about loving and leading your kids to a relationship with God. And beside her was Harry, young adult, and he's watching it too. Let's be the family. Let's be the family that wants to honour God. Thank you.